Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. Hey everyone, I'm your host Courtney and I'm joined with Trevor today and today we're talking about something that I think applies across the board to everyone and it's uh, it's based on an article from Widespread um, from Tim Lemke and it is entitled Seven Life Choices That Are Actually Financial Decisions and Trevor, I think this is really, really interesting and just applicable across the board. Yeah, when I seen this article, I was just so captivated by it. It is it is so uh, about what where our podcast is about. And and the whole premise of this this article is is a lot of people just let life happen to them. And and that's bad on its by by itself, letting life happen to you. But what's worse is a, a lot of those things that happen to you, they end up being financial choices that you didn't actually choose. And and while I personally think it's important not to plan out every single decision that you make, I think it's important to let life kind of organically happen in because I think it, you can get stressed out if you plan too much. But I mean, not playing at all, according to this article, is I think detrimental as well. Well, you can you can be too meticulous and too detailed about planning one's life out to the point that it causes stress, right? So you you've got to give it some guidance. You you can't, you know, plan it out to the finest detail, but you need direction. I think that's the key. So I, I kind of do have a lead in question for you before we jump into this article. And that's, I have two actually. My first is kind of around, I mean, this article, I guess, essentially just talks about how we make these deliberate choices, which lead us in a particular direction. Do you think we have, do you think everyone, society as a whole kind of we'll talk North American Canada, has that kind of capability to make those decisions? Well, I, I think if you make the decisions and and the resulting financial uh, fallout of those decisions, so long you consciously made those decisions, I think it becomes easier to live with the, with, with the results. Whereas if it just happened to you, you might just, and just say the, the outcome isn't what you wanted, you just think, well, life was unfair. No, I, I agree with that. I, I guess let's jump into this article. I do kind of want to, I mean, you're you're kind of at the, you've kind of gone through the things that we're going to talk about. So I kind of want to reflect back on maybe your kind of thought process when you're in making these decisions and, and, and how you reflect upon them now. So again, the, the article kind of starts off by talking about how life is filled with so many decisions. So I guess to Trevor, to ask you first off, did you think any of the decisions that you kind of made when you were maybe closer to my age would affect you now? Like, is there anything that kind of stands in your mind as this pivotal moment that led you to where you are today? If I had to take the one thing that, that, that I, I, so let's start with regrets. I wish I would have taken more chances rather. I, I tended to always pick the safe, uh, sure bet, you know, sure thing. I always went that route and, and I, Looking back, I wish I would have taken more risks when I was younger. And when I say younger, you have time to recover from, a, say you take a risk and it turns out to, to not pan out like you hoped. You, If you do it when you're young enough, you have time to recover from that, I'll call it a mistake or, or just a bad outcome. So I, I just want to stop you there. And I, I like the use of the word look back. I mean, it, do you think it's easier to be able to kind of look back and say that? I mean, as as I I believe the kind of maybe the I'm mean, at the age where you you wish you kind of made those those chan- take the, took those chances and made those kind of tough decisions. 
I don't know if I, I feel like as a younger person with less disposable income, with less money to, to make mistakes with that, you do play it more cautiously by nature. Looking back, so life is anything but a straight line. Looking, you know, having retrospect now, I can look back and say life was anything but a straight line. And if you're a meticulous planner, you're trying to connect the dots before you get to your each destination. And now when I look back, I had no hope of connecting the dots to get to where I am. You can connect the dots after the fact and say, well, this is what led me here. But trying to do that uh, moving forward is almost impossible. So I think in a lot of ways, you can't plan it to the nth degree. Uh, and you have to take chances or risks in life because I, I, I've come to regret that I didn't take some. So, okay, so that, that makes more sense. So if, if, I'm, if I'm hearing correctly, it's more about kind of taking monumental life chances and risks as opposed to financial risk. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, no, no. Okay, okay. And, and we kind of talked about this on a, a previous episode too, how you said, you, you've said that you don't, you haven't, or maybe, maybe this was bef- off air as well, but you, you've said that you don't regret any decision you have made. You, re- you regret indecision. Yeah, no, so, so I, I, that's a good point. So I, I've rarely regretted decisions I have made, but I have regretted not making a decision. So see that's in powerful. Ma- yeah, and so in, in not making a decision, you you're in essence you are making a decision. You know, the status quo might be the decision, right? So one of the you know best decisions I ever made was is uh, t- you know twenty years ago I, I left a job for a, a better paying job in in a in a nicer community. That was a a risk at the time. Uh, it, it it turned out to be a, gr- a great decision for me financially and lifestyle wise. Had I not you know, taking that risk or taking that chance or made that decision, I'd still be in a town I wasn't too fond of at a job. It turns out that place went out of business. So who knows what I'd be doing? It kind of puts the power back into your court. You you have the power in your hands and you maybe feel like you're more in control of life. Just saying it out loud, just I, I can't stress it enough. Not making a decision in essence is is accepting the status quo. So that is a decision in itself. I think that's our final closing line in the beginning of the episode. So let's let's jump into um, the points here. There are seven different points within this article, and each are kind of are maybe life choices that we are making or we we're about to make or we have made that you might not realize are have these financial impacts. I just want to say that the 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 whole the article is making life choices that have a financial decision, and. When we go through these, I'm going to also bring up the point that, you know, these things could happen and you didn't actually make the choice and it still has a financial consequence. So, so the first one here is choosing a college. And um, if uh, this is a article from the the U.S., so it still, but it still applies to Canada. So choosing a college or university. Yeah. So if you're, if so for our American friends, if you choose an out of state college, and I think it's the same in Canada, if you choose a a university or college outside of your province, you pay a premium to go to go to that. So uh, that's so if you if you have your heart set on uh, a you know a college on the east coast and you're from central Canada, you're going to pay a premium for that. And, and also, if you choose a college where you could live at home, obviously it's going to cost you a lot less. You know you're not going to have the living expenses to pay for. So that's another consideration. So there's 
choosing a, a school and also choosing college over university. I mean, if you can get what you need out of a college, a lot of times that's a, a, a less expensive route to go than a university. And, and also, I, I, I do want to add, I mean, if, I think almost point zero within this article is deciding upon and maybe this is choosing a college but deciding upon the route of of education you're going to going to seek whether it's traditional or untraditional maybe it's a class of certifications maybe maybe it's just kind of more your unconventional but being co- confident and comfortable maybe choosing that well the second uh, point in here is choosing a uh, major or a career path so when you're choosing so, so i think you could combine these two so if you're choosing a uh, a program of study along with choosing a college you need to choose something and this is a i'm kind of conflicted on this so do you pick something so when i was younger the advice i was given was find something you can make a lot of money at and tolerate doing you know that was the the advice i was given and and i took that advice and and that's the path i went down i think looking back the the advice i gave to my children was i i said Find something you think you can be passionate about. And if, if you can pour your heart and soul and passion into a, a job, money will find you. You know, it, you'll end up being so good at what you're doing that you will get paid. I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that I think that I, I have experienced that at least firsthand, kind of falling into the career that I'm in right now and 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 really becoming passionate about it. I would say kind of by accident. I, I do want to add, though. Do you think? I mean, as much as we, as much as that sounds amazing, do you think there is a natural supply and demand of jobs out there? Do you think? Do you think we we have to exercise exercise some caution when we when we pick our major? Well, the, the, I, I guess it's a trade off. You don't want to get a you don't want to spend eight years in school and accumulate eight years of student debt that you. And, and never end up with a, a salary that can extinguish that debt. You know, that, that's a risk, that big, a big risk. So I think if you're choosing something that you're, you know, you, let's just say the, your ability to earn money in a particular line of work is, is, is to make a lot of money is in question or it's not a sure thing. And, and it's going to take eight years to get this education. You might need to rethink that because the, the math needs to work at some level. But I think your your run of the mill, you know, three or four year post secondary education, I would say find something that you think you are you can be or will be extremely passionate about. And here's my thing: when when I when I'm at work, I'd say about ninety percent of the people where I've anywhere I've ever worked, they just show up and they just do the bare minimum. Maybe some of them don't even do that. And then there's this small group, this 10%, that they show up every day and they over-deliver every single day. It's just the way they're wired. Or they're, they're passionate about whatever they're doing, that they just over-deliver every day. And those people, they stand out like from the rest of everybody. Like Those people, they end up going places in an organization. And it's not because they're highly educated. It's not because they, they, uh, they got just the perfect education, the match to the perfect job, it's because they have passion and desire and motivation. That is what's going to move the needle in a career path. I, I really, I really, really like everything you just said there. And, and I, I think, and I'm a now a firm believer of, of what you just said, because you don't, I'm, I'm quickly becoming 
to 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 realize that your educational background doesn't always directly coincide with with the career you're maybe in right now and I think maybe a lot of listeners can kind of can can empathize with that too. Well, not to get off topic, but a lot of times your post-secondary diploma or degree is is nothing more than the admission to uh, to get an interview to get a job somewhere. What's going to get you paid and advanced in your career is going to be how you uh, your work ethic, w- what you can deliver on the job. I- I've seen a lot of highly educated people show up to places I've worked, and they just they just fall flat, and, and it's because they they have the ability to to absorb education like nobody I know. But when it comes time to deliver the goods at the job, they they can't get it done. You know, they're just not wired that way. So maybe that person should be teaching. I I don't know. But I'm sure that requires some passion and motivation as well. So I I think I'm a firm believer that when you get your, when you graduate from post-secondary and you take of all that hard knowledge you got in school, you're using about like two percent of it to start with, and the rest of it is your soft skills. You know, your ability to to communicate, and interact with people, and 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 be motivated, and and stay on task. That's that's the skills you're using at the job to start with. And as you advance in your career, you start using more and more of those hard skills in whatever profession you're in. So that that post secondary education, that's just a the price of admission to an interview in a lot of cases. No, I, I cannot agree more as a, as a, as a recent graduate. It's, it's, it's true. I do want to, I just want to skip back up to the first point here, choosing a college. And I have a question for you, Trevor, cause I mean, I kind of was up against a dilemma myself. Um, maybe some of our listeners are too, but when it comes to choosing a college, are you going to, I mean, I, and actually a lot of my friends at school too, always said that they, that they were from maybe Toronto, but they came to, I went to school in Ottawa, so they came to Ottawa um, just to kind of leave, leave their hometown. And there was kind of that draw to kind of just get out of their hometown. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Or what if, what if the school maybe in, in Ottawa for that individual was, was a better fit or better suit for their program? Well, so going, going away to school is a great uh, transition for, for, for a young adult to transition out of being a, a, a child into adulthood. I, I think it's a great transition. It's, it's a very expensive transition. If it's, if, if it's something you can't afford, then I, I would try to avoid it. But if it's something you can afford to do, I think post-secondary education, going away to school is a great way to, to grow as a person and, and not just get slapped in the face by adulthood all of a sudden. So it, I think it's worth doing given the resources. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. So point number three here is where to live. And this is an actual kind of dilemma that I have kind of thought about myself. And and Trevor, you, I guess, sounds like you kind of uh, face this too when you were thinking about moving jobs 20 years ago. I find there's two groups of people and there's the people who they don't care where they live, they, they're just focused on what it is they do that's important, right? So their profession or their career is so important, they'll live anywhere so long they can do it. And I'm not judging these people, that's just the way they're wired. And there's another group of people that uh, they're not so focused on what they do, but where they live is really important. And so some people, they want to live like right downtown in the heart of a city like Toronto or Ottawa or Calgary. 
and they'll take whatever work they can find, but they just want to live downtown. And there's other people that, you know, that the, what they do is so important that they'll they'll go live uh, in the oil sands in Alberta, in the middle of you know, I'll say the frozen tundra, the, the almost the middle of nowhere, because they they just love chemical engineering, and, and that's the you know, the heartbeat of chemical engineering in our country. And, and so they'd want to live there. It's it's so important to them. Just know who you are and what's motivating you. And, and it's not it's not going to be constant, right? This could change over the course of your life. Maybe you get older and where you live becomes more important than what you do, you know, or maybe you need just to change a scenery. A lot of times people will start a career. For instance, you go to school in a particular city, you end up getting a job in that city, and then you end up just living in that city. You lay down roots and you maybe you meet a significant other and you got a circle of friends and next thing you know, you're, you're tied to that city. Was that a conscious decision or did that just happen? You know, so when you graduate from school, it's a great opportunity to think, where, where do I want to live? You know, do I really, am I in love with this city or am I, is it just, is it convenient? Because, you know, I happen to have an apartment here and I found a job here, so I'll stay here. So I'm saying, just say you went to school in Toronto, you know, one of Canada's most expensive cities. And you, and then you conveniently found a job there. And now you're you're just living in Toronto, Canada's most expensive city, out of habit. It's a very expensive habit. You know, that's a habit you might want to break. But the longer you stay there, the the harder it is to break that habit. So I'm saying if you're a young person, be deliberate about where you're going to get a job because that's where you're going to live. And and the cost of living there could be very expensive. So you you need to, it's it's something you need to consider. So I kind of want to tie point number three here, where to live with kind of the the last point about picking a, a certain like a certain major in college or university do you think then that I mean I, I know I personally did this I, I I personally always had a vision of kind of the work setting the work environment and generally where I wanted to to live as well but should you be thinking kind of that far in advance about where you want to live and 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 when you're kind of picking your school and and what you want to study Depending on your education, sometimes it's going to dictate where you live because the, uh, that's where the jobs are for that particular line of work. You know, and this is making life choices that have, have financial consequences. Yeah, so like should you start thinking about those kind of f- the, the, the financial impacts like choosing a major could have ba- when you are choosing your major? I don't think that's the... I don't think choosing your major is the, the, the main concern. I think it's it's don't just get a job in the city you went to school in just because it's convenient. You know, make sure that's where you want to live. Make sure you, it's a great opportunity to make a choice then and there rather than just do what's convenient. And I completely agree with that. I mean, I think it's, it feels safe and comfortable, comfortable to stay in an area maybe where you grew up. If you, if you went to school and stayed in your hometown or even the, f- the four, three, two years in the location where you went to school, I think that just, I think, I think always, status quo quo always feels more comfortable you know just like i said you know um going away to school is a great way to transition into adulthood maybe not getting a job in the city you went to school in is you know how i said i wish i would have taken more risks when i was younger maybe you know getting a job in another city when you graduate is a risk worth taking because you already know the city you live in so I mean, that could be your fallback, right? So just say you're, 
you went to school in Ottawa and you graduate and you find a job in Kitchener and just say you moved to Kitchener, you lived there for a year and you say, you know, I don't like Kitchener. Well, now you've, you've got a fallback. You've got Ottawa. And if you don't like Ottawa, then you've got to fall back to the town you grew up in. So now you, you've got, uh, you're pretty intimately knowledgeable about three areas, three, three cities to live in, uh, rather than just, just say you grew up in this one city, you went to school in this city, you got a job in this city, that's all you know. So uh, I think that that's the example of saying, I, I wish I'd have taken more risks when I was younger, because that's exactly what I did. I went to school, I grew up, went to school, and got a job in the city, in, in the same city. And I wish I would have taken more risks. So I kind of want to throw a little example and, and maybe kind of a wrench in the equation that maybe some of our of our listeners can relate to. But there's that when you throw kind of small towns into the equation, if you either grew up in one or I guess mostly if you grew up in one or maybe you attended school in a kind of a small town, I think taking so I, I grew up in a small town and, t- and I stayed after I graduated school. I didn't quite have a job. Um, for, for about, well, I was uncertain, but I decided to stay in the city I was living in after graduating, even though I hadn't quite secured a job. I secured a job a few weeks later, but there's still that moment of uncertainty where I committed to staying in this big city and, and keep paying my rent and needing to afford, um, life's necessities without knowing if I was going to have a steady income. But again, like you said, Trevor, I think taking that risk and knowing that I couldn't possibly find a job in my field back in my small hometown, but that I could in 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 Ottawa where I was living, I think that was that was a risk worth taking. And so, do you think did that risk play out well for you so far? Oh, it's it's played out in in immensely, just immensely and tenfold. I just I can't. I, I looking back, I just and and it's a reassurement reassuring to to really move forward and continue taking risks like that where you are uncertain, but they do pan out. And do you think you maybe you would have regressed had you moved back to the small town you grew up in? Oh, I 100% think so. I mean, I probably would have got a job doing something that was not my field. Maybe my education would have expired a little bit and I wouldn't have given given myself the chance to really even give myself a chance within what now I'm very passionate about. So let's move on to number four here. And number four is getting married. So Trevor, I think you can speak to this um, most most intelligently just because you have been there, you've done that. What is kind of the, this is a big life decision. I think it's very positive, but what are kind of, where does the financial decision come in? A lot of people, they they might find a significant other and they it just becomes habit, you know, that they stay together and Maybe they're not completely aligned on on, on a lot of philosophies, but uh, they're it's comfortable, right? And and this isn't a, a podcast about marriage advice, but I think you need to be deliberate in, in choosing a life partner. And in saying that is, there's a lot of financial consequence to getting this wrong. The worst case scenario is a divorce, right? And they, they can be extremely costly and leave both parties near bankrupt. So I think the whole point of this number four is is don't just let your significant other be a habit. And the the whole act of getting married is is it's a deliberate thing. You're you're doing it consciously. You know you're not just you're not just sitting back and just letting comfort and habit take over. You've made a conscious decision. You know you've had to think this through. So it, it sounds trivial, but I really think there's something to getting married. 
You know, I, I it's I think it's a somewhat of a dying institution in the younger circles, but I, I think it really you 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 won't look back and regret. You know, why did I do this? Like you'll know why you did it. It's it's funny because I mean we've talked on the show. I think we've had an episode even on the idea of financial compatibility and. I was sitting around with a bunch of friends probably about a year ago talking about what my most important kind of trait or characteristic in a potential partner was. And for me, it was financial compatibility and, and views on on kind of the same financial outlook because it is so important. I, and I think it's very kind of underrepresented. But I mean, hopefully I, we try on this podcast to bring awareness around that. I think, I think you hit it spot on, Trevor. Well, and I wouldn't say, you know, pick a... A life partner based on their uh, uh, tax bracket, right? You're not. You're not. It's, it's not about their ability to earn income. It, 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 it's actually just their philosophy on money. Oh yes, yeah, definitely. It's definitely not about how wealthy the the potential partner is. It's definitely. It's about I think having the same financial goals and the same aspirations or, or the same kind of and the same vision of of what you what financial independence looks like to the other person. Like this article is, it's, it's, it's life choices that actually have financial decisions. And if you don't make a choice, if you, if you don't get married, you, you didn't make a choice, but it could still have financial consequences or, or it could result in financial decisions that you didn't actually make. You just let happen to you. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So number five here, five of seven points within this article. And the next one is having children. We've actually had an episode before um, in our back catalog of can you it was about can you put a cost on having children and I I wanted to do this episode because I I was convinced that that you could and by the end of it Trevor convinced me you couldn't but this article states and it's a U.S. article but it states that it costs about 13,000 a year to raise a child um, again according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture that means you'll shell, shell out nearly a quarter million dollars before a son or daughter turns 18 well, to start with, like we did in that last episode, if everybody did math uh, on having children, the human race would be extinct True. by now. True. So you, 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 this cannot be a math equation. Having children is... <laughs> you don't need to listen to that episode. This was this is the, the, final, the final thoughts. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's not a mathematical problem, but I, I think you... So if you don't consciously decide to, to to plan a family and have children, if you, if you don't consciously make that decision, you may not know how many kids you're going to have or with the how far apart their ages are going to be. But just be just be deliberate about you know I, I want a family I don't want a family. Uh, well, like like we said in our our episode on the cost of raising children, the we did break boil it down to the fact that regardless if you plan to have a family or you didn't plan for have a family or regardless and regardless of the cost of the actual dollars you'll shell out you will find a way to support uh, support your 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 children because they're dependents of you and and you want you 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 will want to do that for your children so i think i think at the end of the day regardless if it was deliberate or not i think there's always going to there's you're you're always going to be resourceful and, and find that way to to support them so number six here, and it's six of seven, and and this one's kind of, I feel like when you maybe have don't as much have a say in just because it's the natural evolution of life, but it's caring for elderly parents. Well, I'm going to spin this around and say, 
I think you need to, as a, as a, every person needs to plan financially. Uh, you, you have no idea how, what end of life is going to look for, for each person. But I, I, I hope to not be a huge burden on my children. I hope to have my financial house somewhat in order, barring early uh, disability, you know, or getting old and at a young age. Um, I, I hope to be able to financially look after me, you know, me and my wife hope to financially look after ourselves in our elderly years. Um, I, I, I hope to not be a burden on my children. I, I think the onus is on, on everybody to, to strive for that. And that, and that's not saying you're not going to want to help el- your elderly parents out. I, I, you, you'd be hard pressed to find people who don't want to help them. But at the same breath, I, I'm going to take every measure possible to make sure I'm not a burden financially. But if we do spin it in the in in terms of how the 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 article title seven life choices that are actually financial decisions, so it, it's it, when it, and it's it, if you spin it that you are caring for your elderly parents, how I, I guess the I guess the author is simply alluding to the fact that you can make if you are the one supporting your parents, you can make certain decisions that. That will either be maybe more more cost beneficial, or such as like a nursing home or assisted living that maybe is be- it could be better for your parents. Maybe. See, I kind of disagree with this point because this isn't a choice you can make. You know, if if your exactly parents, exactly if your parents didn't plan for their later in life, and you have no idea it's coming or when it's going to come, it just happens. So this is one that I, I don't think this is a is a is one this doesn't qualify as one of the seven uh, life choices that have a, a financial decision associated with it, as far as I'm concerned. I think, but I do think maybe the extent to which you can make a decision, like I was saying, is your decision as to how to care for them and, and what decisions will to, that you'll make to, that will impact their health and their well-being. So number seven here. And it is the last point in our list is retiring. And Trevor, this is kind of a stage you're going to be entering soon. And so I, I'm sure, I mean, this is a this is a, a big life decision that will have financial impacts. Well, and a lot of people just, they keep working uh, until they can. There used to be a time when you, in Canada, you had to retire at 65. So, so you, were, you, were, you literally, legally had to stop working. That, that was a decision you could not make. But now you, you can work until you, you can't physically. And a lot of people, people spend like they, they don't know when they're going to retire. I, I can't count the people I know, like I can't count the people I know that I work with that are over the age of 65. I ask them when they're going to retire. They don't have a date in mind. They keep working. I, I've worked with people that have worked up to 70 years old and, and not liking it, by the way. <laughs> that, that's, that's the main one. You need to be productive in, in society. Uh, even when you retire, or you will be in an early grave. But I, I think you need to plan to stop exchanging time for money at 65. I, I think that needs to be a conscious decision you make. And if you end up getting paid after that, because you're just doing something you love doing, and somebody hap- you happen to collect money for doing it, that's just gravy. But I, I think everyone needs to make that conscious decision. And just that... I'm going to replace the word retire with stop exchanging time for money. You know, meaning you don't need this money and you don't need to exchange your time. And 
I think it needs to be a conscious decision. You, you, otherwise, people just keep on working until something goes wrong with their health. They, they end up with a, a joint injury or a hip injury or maybe a heart attack or they, they just physically can't do it anymore. And, and I think that's a horrible way to retire. I, I think you, you go out with a whimper, right? You want to go out strong, you know, saying, you know, that I, I still got lots left to live. But what about the other way? So you are, you're making a deliberate choice to retire early. What about, and, and maybe some of our listeners are kind of pondering the same thing and are, so that's a deliberate decision. And has, has what you're kind of leaving behind, maybe, maybe it's uh, income, maybe it's experience. Is that, is that something that, that has, that has, has worried you or bothered you or made you really think twice? So I'm, I'm retiring at 55, which is 10 years earlier than traditional retirement. In Canada, that's called extreme retirement. I'm leaving 10 years of income on the table, and I feel great about that. I, I think, like, to me, that is a deliberate choice as you can make, is, is I'm, leaving, I'm leaving a whole bunch on the table for I no longer need or want to trade time for money. If I stop working and stop being productive in society at 55, I'm sure I, I would maybe live another 10 years and then I'd be gone. You know, so I, I'm going to do something, but who I, I may not get paid for it, but I'm going to be doing something that I, I, I'm really passionate about, something I really enjoy doing. I, I, I like that. I like that it's, it's not about kind of the, the, inc- the income. It's more about your time, which I think is, is powerful. In fact, if you're wondering if you're making a deliberate choice, a, a lot of times you know you are making a deliberate choice when, when you, you, you know, you've had to decide between this or that, you know, and I've decided I'm leaving the money behind, right? That's something I've, I've consciously, in fact, if you haven't had to just choose between two things at the very minimum, then chances are it's just happening to you. You didn't actually make a choice. No, it, it's it's true, and I and I think in the same in the same kind of breath, when we are faced with those those decisions, the kind of the tough this or that, how easy is it to fall back on? I think it is to fall back on the the kind of more safe, the status quo. Yeah, this the same for you. It probably, I mean, and also let's not forget about the people who may be doubting your decision and and the voices of the voices of uncertainty or maybe even jealousy or, or, or desire to do the same of such as retiring early. Maybe if you, maybe people around you wish they could do the same. And, and, and so maybe their voices are a little bit doubtful. I mean, you, you have to consider that as well. Well, I know people think I'm crazy because you know, I'm leaving so much behind financially. And I love that, that, you know, if I was wondering, you know, maybe this isn't such a big deal, but then people remind me that it is. So I, I love that it is, and I go back to that. If you, if it, if it was easy, if the decision is easy, then it's probably not a decision. You're just letting it happen, right? So, look for the difficult decision. The, the that's where the wins are. Oh, it's so true, and it's almost that that right there almost makes I don't know, makes me maybe it makes our listeners too kind of want to when you're faced with a decision, always choose the one that makes you most uncomfortable and makes you most uncertain because maybe it's that is the right, always going to be the right decision. Well, there's a book I read and we'll put this in the show notes. It's called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. And that's what that whole book is about. It is, it is move toward the obstacle. The obstacle is, 
it is the way to go it, because the other way is is easy, comfortable. And, and like I said, like I said earlier, I wish I would have taken more risks in life. The risks are uncomfortable, right? That's, but that's where the opportunity is in, in the, you know, pursue the uncomfortable route, and your chances are you're gonna, you're gonna succeed more often than you fail. No, I I, I cannot agree more with that. So, Trevor, that brings us to the end of this article on the seven life choices that are actually financial decisions. It's from Widespread. We're going to have the show notes, but it's by Tim Lemke. Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, this is a short episode, but do you have any final thoughts before we uh, we end today? Don't just let life happen to you because it has a financial consequence. Could not have said that better myself. And to our listeners, if you, after listening to this episode today, if you have any life choices that maybe you're making or have made, that you realize now are decisions that actually had financial impacts and they were actually financial decisions, well, let us know. I think that'd be really interesting to to talk about. And I'm sure I'm sure we're going to get some that are similar. It's just going to be interesting. And let us know if you faced any of these ones on the list as well. You can do that always by emailing us at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or heading over to our website, livelifesimple.ca and on our contact submission form just leave everything right there thank you so much for being here this this week on for another episode and until next week keep it simple